www.radio.co.uk network radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. Welcome to another show, Gregory, of Journeys into Consciousness. It's wonderful to have you back on again. Thank you so very much for inviting us, my dear friend, Ian. Thank you so. You're very welcome. I've got a bit of a mix and match show tonight. I've got quite a lot of topics I want to discuss. I, I might not get through all of them, of course, but Absolutely I'll give it. fire away, friend. Okay. Well, this, this might be a cheesy question, but it kind of popped into my head on the way home, um, travelling home from work tonight. So I thought I'd throw it to you, and um, no pressure in answering it, but what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life altogether yes. in its yes. reality? Yes. Throughout the entire dimension of the universe in all facets of its encompassment. Yes. Why the meaning not? of life is experience. Okay. Is that the answer? Very simple. Yes. <laughs> so. Certainly. Yes. Okay. So the meaning it's of life not, is. Uh, I, I'm sorry. If I just may quantify this for a moment, uh, it is not as many would have it, to experience or generate love. Because that oftentimes, when visited in the human context, is within the human context. It's not necessarily something that actually reverberates within all beings. And you would understand perhaps a little of this when observing different species and their interaction with one another. And yet, you would see adversarial species actually have contact with their instinctive love incentives so that even this breaks the, the code and the cycle of what they would normally be doing in their own behavior. For example, you might have a lion which actually uh, helps or shelters a monkey, a, a, a baby monkey, when in actual fact an adult, or in an adversarial condition, it would have killed it and eaten it. And yet you may find that even within different species makeup, just upon the earth, you will see that sometimes the barriers break down from what is normal instinctive behavior, which is adversarial, fight or flight, and that which is intent of uh, the makeup that you then pursue as being something of universal kindred type and form. It isn't necessarily. So there are, for example, some planets which are immediately hostile. There are others which don't actually have that kind of ethos or that kind of uh, attention to energy as human beings do, as they refer to it as being love. You see? Mm. So. so Continue, sorry. I'm so sorry. So that, so that when you have situations where you are looking at the universe in its totality, you cannot use one word or one phrase in describing what love is, for example, because you're coming at it from the terms of human physical state, or you're coming in terms of uh, the rationale as devised by human intention and physiological brain 
wave activity, which is signatory to your salvation or signatory to your being um, a cohesive force together with others. This is not necessarily the same in a dictated form throughout the universe in all levels. I'm not uh, arguing here uh, for uh, or on behalf of the spirit world that generally, in fact, the energy of the uh, situation of the creation of all life, for example, is something that we call love glibly, but actually encompasses many different facets of the strata of life. And how that is ignited together is something of a common bond system. So, in, in that respect, I suppose you could say it is like as akin to a kindred spirit that beings in the physical side of life would make and, um, um, in a sense, uh, draw together in their life experience. Mm. So, I mean, just another question on love, because love can also be attributed to attraction, which can happen yep. initially, which then can form into love later for somebody. But with you know humans uh, generally are attracted to another human um, it's almost like a sprinkling of something comes into your head and then it's like an attraction like a magnet um, yes. brings people together and is that attraction something that's built in like biologically in that person or is there something else going on within the sort of spiritual plan for those individuals. It's like a kind of fail-safe thing that says, well, we need to bring these people together. So some kind of attraction starts to happen at a, you know, more of a, a spiritual level. Yes. I, I would have to say that that's a very uh, multifaceted uh, situation that you are describing there. Because on the one hand, you are looking at it in the cold, hard-lighted day of as a scientific response in that what you are observing as a physical being are really to do with cells, biological uh, activity and chemical activity as derived from instinctive behavior and productivity. That is really to do with sincere genetic withholding and sincere genetic uh, manipulation, if you like, of attraction to ensure that genetic is continued throughout the course of history, if you like, or the companionable of that one species. In other words, friend, it means that the chemical reaction of this that you call love on a physical level is in actual fact partly due to the chemical and biological function of simply being a species in the same respect that swans exhibit and many other beings on your side of life exhibit as forms of uh, devices that enable you uh, to have a continual relationship or in fact as uh, within other forms of uh, species that humans in fact identify within having several relationships or many relationships even at the same time. And even that can be quantified as being a sort of a fail-safe device for chemical biological continuation of the ge gene gene genealogy of how that in fact is brought together. On the other hand, of course, you have the spirit aspect of it whereby you may illuminate spirit attraction to one another which is subliminal and doesn't actually come through the physical biological clock at all, but is something 
that perhaps is just something which is brought together gradually through friendship structure first and foremost and that maybe the whole occupancy isn't that you generate uh, instantaneous love through your open spaces between one another but in actual fact it is something which is generated through trust mutual respect and understanding which then grows at a different level within a different time frame and for different reasons uh, it depends entirely my dear friend on the reasons within a mind and within a consciousness of one individual how in fact they wish to pursue a relationship or maybe even that they didn't see it coming that it was actually something that took them wholly by surprise and really all that they thought they were gaining was a true friendship rather than it blooming into something else which was completely then beyond their current or present scope or even realization of what love could be this also leads me on to obviously like we have a personality um, and um you know, is I think we may have asked this question before, but is it shaped by nature, or the other question is nurture? Nature or nurture? Yes, quite so. I would say it's a bit of both, my dear friend. That it really does depend upon personality. Is as how the person was brought up, as in nurture, how the person identifies with their own instinctive markers and belief systems, or how they have attracted or or. Uh, created versions to certain factors within their lifetime experience. Mm. I another, feel, yes. Well, just another question, because you could have identical twins that have the same upbringing and the same environment, but one could be, um, you know, like extrovert and very, very loud and confident, and the other one could be very sort of timid and re reflective kind of thing. Yes, of course. And that, of course, would actually be partly reflected within their own individual spirit because it wouldn't be one spirit divided into two, but two individual spirit who themselves may well come from completely different soul groups and have completely different identities. It's part of the reason why individuals do have completely different identities, even when they are uh, multiple births, uh, one of multiple births. Yeah. So... I just wonder how much, um, you know, how much influence the soul essence has over the environment. Well, my dear friend, you have to remember, dear friend, that soul itself is actually to do with the accumulation of mind, effort, consciousness and control throughout the, the uh, situation of either the spirit individual's presence and continuance from infinity to infinity or whether it is an issue whereas uh, in the infant of course it's not something readily available perhaps maybe it, it becomes more evident from the age of about two or so within a child that you begin to see the display of certain kinds of uh, instinctive or genetic or manipulative gestures which then come to make up part of the basis of that person's profile or their uh, the way that they exhibit themselves. It may well be that this is actually something which is coming through as messaging from their own spirit or it could be s simply that they are bringing about some kind of activity which is really to do with their environment or cursor or something like that. Okay, because another really in question topic is the multiple personality syndrome that some people have so you know yes. not content with having one personality they might have 50 or 15 or whatever but they're yes. all 
they're very distinct personalities with sometimes amazing gifts. One personality might be able to paint amazing pictures, while yeah. another one might be able to speak um, a foreign language, for instance. Yes, that the person had never ever studied. And this, yeah. and, and, and it seems to me that quite often this is brought on by some kind of trauma, and then the person kind of divides up the personality to kind of, I don't know, absorb the trauma they've got or lessen. Or that that actually acts as the trigger in itself mm. to create the response. That's the point, really. You, it, it really would depend upon uh, facets of the physical, biological state and all of the organism itself have to consider yourselves each as an organism, otherwise it's not worth talking over. Uh, the point is that this then means that certain mental capacities within the brainwave activity, the way that various synapses are joined uh, regarding these factors, are, can in fact be induced within certain ways in which perhaps that being or their spirit had previously been interacting within the spirit world. And sometimes it can be simply that as part of that spirit's journey, they had been interacting with different beings and that it's simply part of the trace of the trace element, if you like, of their journey that these b different beings are still in relationship with that spirit. So they kind of drawing on um, other beings from their own journey or from their soul group or yes. something like that? Yes, quite potentially. It is a possibility. I wouldn't say that it happens every time. And indeed, there are some very, very sick, traumatized people who come uh, about with uh, extremely odd experiences, none of which they have gained access to, or that they actually aspire to make with themselves. And they actually find it extremely intrusive uh, that such behavior or such situations should come about. However, nonetheless, it, the activity will no doubt continue unless they have some kind of medication for it or unless they are induced to, uh, to breaking away from that form of activity. But it's extremely difficult. So this is a scenario where perhaps another entity may have come into their space. Yes, although I have to say it's extremely rare and it's not something that anyone should think is uh, some kind of fait accompli in, um, in communication or something like that. It's actually not something that I would suggest is uh, an ardent thing to follow. It's rather something of a misunfortunate state of affairs to do with uh, activity really. It's like one of those situations that just seems to happen from time to time to be simply because of the very facet of spirit wanting to have a physical experience. Mm. I guess even the most balanced of people really have multiple personalities because you know in one sense you're a parent, you could be um, a, a worker who works with somebody, you could be a brother, yes. a sister, a child and you kind of have a different persona maybe for different yes. scenarios. Yes but that of course is also to do with multifaceting, uh, to do with uh, the illumination of having a kind of an, an exhilarating experience whereby you are multitasking and bringing in very many different strands of your in, a, eternal behavior as well as your capabilities, your gifts of spirit and the various different facets of life that you're able to bring in and even create at the same time as uh, doing other situations, embarking on other journeys or other 
uh, initiations within your physical life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, another question that um, I mean, this is some we discussed the other day amongst um, our group actually, and that yes. was the subject of free will versus destiny. Yes. I mean, you know, on one hand, they we we realise it's free will. We we honour that and respect it, and we also honour that there does seem to be some kind of destiny at play. Although now we know that we appreciate not everything's set in stone, um, but there does seem to be a kind of merging of the two in it some depends. respects. Well, it does depend, my dear friend. I have to say that a great many people tend to chisel out their destiny rather more anxiously and uh, await that destiny rather than actually getting off their bottoms and doing something about it. So it tends to be rather sheep and the lamb rather than uh, doing something that is robust and forward-thinking and positive and not necessarily following the fixed destiny that one perhaps thinks of is their allotted pathway or time. But there's actually something that is beyond that and moves a being and, in fact, possibly the entire humanity that is with you at that present time. Otherwise, nothing would be built. Otherwise, you would not have situations where beings create uh, various forms of improvement within the physical or sociopathic lifestyle. That in actual fact, what's happening is that everyone simply follows everyone else or whatever the pattern is that they deem or feel is their lot. Yeah, it's interesting because I know that humans are very predictable. You know, we we follow patterns. So, um, if if there is a kind of blueprint that we're trying to aim for, then we're kind of predictable heading that way. But we've got free will. So, you know, if we want to go by boat to America, we can. If we want to get on a plane to America, we can. But the destination is always the same. But yeah. the reason why I asked the question is that um, for me personally, I had a, a psychic reading. Uh, about four or five years ago and the message I was given in that uh, seemed to point out something where I thought I'd actually hit that destination with a certain person and a certain scenario and it wasn't um, but then all of a sudden an exact scenario has just played out in my life now where it actually is like almost like 100% true to what they said even with the description of the person and everything Yes, and, yeah, and it's like, well, you know, that's kind of, that was almost predicted four or five years ago. Is that just luck or is that kind of like a destiny thing? I don't know. Well, you know? not necessarily a destiny situation, but you have to understand that oftentimes when you are painted a certain scenario, the chances are probably that 80% of the time that scenario at some point in your life will actually be played out. So it isn't actually actually that accurate. It would be more accurate if it was actually stated the time, the date, and the day. But if it wasn't, then it's just a situation where you could say that uh, on in, in any number of uh, a person's life, you would find that there are going to be situations where a certain situation could pan out to be that way. I'm not saying that that person did not have perhaps some kind of a slight hand within the aspect of timeline or in some way given some form of information to do with that presence or that culmination of events coming to that point. But that doesn't mean to say that everything's planned. It simply meant that that was a possibility within the life occurrence or the situation as in if situations came up to that event. Yeah. If they 
then they didn't. And you would have gone on thinking, no, that was just not the case until it eventually happened at some other point. But is there, is there not kind of like cycles of energy that um, allow more of something to happen? Like, and then there's greater cycles because, you know, there's a lot of talk with, um, with the Mayans and the indigenous uh, groups yeah. that say that they predict a long, long time ago that um, around this time in history we will be going through something very similar to what's happening now and it's also said that they predicted the the Spanish coming in and everything changing and they talk about great cycles and where certain cycles lend themselves to a, a time of peace or a time of conflict or a time of change so even though like there's lots of, at the free will level and individual level there's lots of different people are busy doing different things but there seems to be like a cycle of energy that uh, allows certain things to happen Yes, I understand that. And there are predictive cycles, I suppose, that move in uh, within the physical human lifestyle. I, I expect that there would be many cycles to predict yet within the future that would be in similar pathways. You could almost see that the cycles of events continue as you look back through history and the different situations of uh, permeability to do with this, even from uh, cycles of Christian uh, uh, philosophy and how that actually began uh, and vis-a-vis -vis to do with uh, Buddhism and how that began, which are actually very, some parts of it are very similar stories. So you would see that cycles or repeated patterns in a sense within these different religious uh, continuums which then uh, appear to overlap one another and yet still s yield the same kinds of events and situations, wars between different people, different collective states of consciousness, and how these different matters will be resolved in uh, the presses of time. And that's exactly how, of course, different human beings will react at different stages of their lifetime journey and experience. Doesn't necessarily mean to say that it's uh, that everything is taken out of the context of of human beings and all that they do are then driven by some other mechanism. However, I do think it's quite exciting to watch and observe the different elements, the different situations that happen with all beings of life. And all of the, these different situations, uh, particularly with human beings and others from other planets or however it's interactive, the way that as human beings, you discover new journeys, new, new aspects of thought to follow and to make and to observe within self and within others. What about the seven-year cycles? Yes, my dear friend. Well, the seven-year cycles are really to do with the cyclical event of all human beings. Uh, the point is that beings in the general state uh, tend to uh, operate within quite fixed parameters of how they actually generate and focus and then move from one stage of development to another throughout their life. So you have to also take into account, as this is a part of a biological system, as well as, uh, in a sense, then uh, as being a part effect of the Earth and living upon the Earth, it might be quite different if you uh, lived on a different planet, which actually had a different cycle of uh, birth or a different cycle of uh, even day and night. 
within its own experience. So we see, in fact, that uh, the very specific cycles within human terms generally tend to come from ellipses of consciousness and also ellipses and graduations of the conscious state. So it's as though as the person, the being, the individual builds within their life, they enter into the, the waxing and waning of different cycles and how these interact and interdevelop with other be beings who are going through similar changes and similar phases. So oftentimes human beings in physical life find that these two are very attractive or bring about the same kinds of conditions as though there's a sense of camaraderie there between people, different people going through similar events. Mm, yeah, I've heard about the seven year cycle before and it's, is it also true that when you hit these seven year cycles there's great um, opportunity to grow in, grow in your personality that you can yes. really become a different person almost like oh yes absolutely so that's the point really dear friend uh, when you hit at various uh, stages particularly I have to say within the middle years I'm saying this specifically focused for those who are uh, in, in a sense around their uh, 30s or 40s or whatever and they're perhaps all gone off the rails of what they thought they were going to do and then they're struggling in fact to to bring themselves together and find the right sense of purpose and illuminate experience for them to really latch onto. The best way of doing this is to latch within back into the seven-year cycle uh, situation from their birth or possibly uh, to do that from their uh, inception rather than birth. Mm. So there are two different ways of looking at it which would in fact have of course a period of nine months of difference. Yeah, yeah. Wow, no, I've heard about this before, it's incredible. This is more around film. So I was, I was going through some, some films that have been made over the years uh, claiming to be true stories, but they're really, really mad. Um, and, you, you know, you may know, that you might know this, I don't know, but one of them was a film called The Mothman Prophecy. And it was about these kind of moth-type beings that seem to um, take over the telephones and communicate with people, but they seem to turn up at locations where there was going to be an impending disaster. And they've made a film from this, and um, some people think they might be ETs or they might be angels or spirit guides. I don't know. Um, I just wondered if you've come across that. I had come across it, uh, various alleged uh, instances and stories over it. I have tried to look at it with an open mind uh, that is of the veracity of there being intelligence or energy that is to do with spirit within these stories, within these situations. The problem is really to do with, again, places, events and time within the timelines as exactly when events were supposed to have been committed and by whom or by what. So the evidence has to be that we have to look within the residual evidence of what was there at the present moment and whether it was something to do with those of the spirit world or those of some other form of physical life and in fact whether it was then a proven truth or not. 
or a factual evidence because whatever it would have been would have been eventually left within the timeline of that place event or sequence of events. Mm. Okay. I have not as yet been able to verify that these events were real. Okay. What what about the the topic of the Philadelphia experiment? Because that's a that's a crazy uh, film about um, a wormhole almost between time from 1940 something to 1980 something, and there's there's a lot of literature on the internet and a lot yes. of whistleblowers coming forward and even sailors or whatever yes, saying yes. this was a, a real event, even used in Tesla technology. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Okay, so I mean, I mean there's, there's, it's a tragic story, isn't it? Because um, when the ship uh, vaporized or de dematerialized, when it came back, um, I think a lot of the sailors were out of phase with this reality and ended yes, up being embedded, right. didn't they, in the bulk of the ship? Yes, that's right. And in actual fact, they had gross problems with themselves as well. Well, some of them are even fading in and out of reality. Yes, that's right. Days later, and there's even a, an alleged story of some sailors having a punch up, and then one of them just faded out and disappeared. Yes, yes. Uh, actually, because their cell structure became unstable, because uh, parts of their intuitive uh, state, that is to do with their uh, macrobiology of their living condition. If you like, the exact same thing that when you put two cells together and you see the spark of life is exactly the same of that kind of intent. And that's something that moves throughout the permeability of all biological beings. So that when you see a being and they are of that kind of, uh, when they are complete, that is not something that is obvious because the being is completely knitted together. When a person has been fractured in some way, which is actually to do with some timeline or event off-world, it tends to be that the, the being's cell structure is then uh, there. It's like their binding has been torn apart. Yeah. So, I mean, did the ship actually go through time? Because they, they, they're suggesting that there was a... It punched a hole between 1943, was it? or 19, And then between 1940-something and 1980-something. And it's alleged that there was another experiment that happened in 1980s that it kind of linked to. Uh, yes, that's right. But the point is that part of it worked, but it's like an ongoing experiment, so it's still in the mix. In Sorry. that respect, because they're still waiting for part of it to return. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I mean, to be honest, that is just a mind-blowing how, the, I mean... Well, it was actually a mistake. Because they were trying to... In a uh, sense, created by accident. You see, yeah. they, thought they were trying to do one certain thing, which would then be measured and would then be controlled, ultimately, by those who were taking part in the experiment, but that, in actual fact, it went further than they thought it would. Mm. I mean, they, the, the, something as large as that, it would be completely different if they started off or if they had actually done the experiment with something much smaller, but they didn't. Yeah. 
So is there like a natural sort of 40 year cycle thing going on as well that kind of where the, the reality or the fabric of time and space automatically linked these two events together? So the kind of time experiments based in the 1980s to the experiment in the 1940s? Uh, not necessarily, my dear friend. It really would depend upon the, the actual matrix of uh, instruments and mechanisms involved at the time. That's the point, in order to break into it. Yeah. Uh, so, so as, as Nikolai Tesla had done a great many experience, experiments using different forms of radio wave technology, as that was his precursor, in fact. That was his main interest all the way through his later de to de development was, in actual fact, to bring about the right kind of uh, particulate energy that would enable energy to be transferred from one sphere of life to another. And in that respect, then it would be possible to actually move energy en masse from one place of life to another, and even through one time to another. So that's like uh, in the way of generation of energy as well. Yeah. So is it, is it create a rip now in the, the fabric of time? Not, that, not something that is unstable and not something that is still obvious. Yeah. I, I understand, however, the mechanisms still exist to enable that kind of uh, situation to continue. And I believe that there are still experiments now taking place. Is that the experiments that are in Montauk? Is that Montauk? I am unsure. Oh, okay, right, okay. Yeah, so because the other thing, they reckon that these, some of the two sailors, I believe, got thrown into the 1980s and they, you know, in current day. Um, and they're the ones that have kind of told the story or tried to yes. tell the story. Is, is that true? Yes, I understand so. Yeah. I mean, do they age really quickly or do they just continue on in this timeline? Well, the problem actually that happens to them is that parts of their body are at different speeds. Right. So they will be undergoing at, at various different times of their life very different and strange effects from the situation that they went through. Yeah. Because various parts of their biological, metaphysical uh, uh, state is actually uh, inherent within it. It's, so it's like partly, partly you have metaphysical particles and then you have actual physical biological state, which is at difference to the, the other altered part of it. So it, it's like you have two beings in one or even three beings in one and that there are different parts of the cell act which are appearing at odds at times when they are out of flux. Yeah, but this raises so many really mad questions because if it's like me now being here and the future is unwritten, but then if I'm suddenly thrown through a time vortex 40 years into the future, then I'm now witnessing 40 years ahead and, and there's, there's people living and doing stuff. But also in a, in that moment, there's people still living back in the 1940s when they left. Yes, that's right. And in actual fact, if they were to return to it, then who is to say how their cells or their biological state 
of their own internal clock would then fare with that experience. Yeah. It's part of the reason why it is that when you are as a physical person then having timeline delays or timeline situations which are at variance with your ordinary understanding of time, then simply, for example, then when you're having dream state reality, oftentimes what happens is you move through time in order to accommodate various different realities and to go on certain journeys which are actually through the fabric of physical life, but that you can experience as a form of automated experience. So that, for example, you might actually be traveling past the Earth onto a different planet and that you're actually doing that. But the experience is that your movement through time and your uh, is not at a constant. So it's not that you experience it as a constant, but that it's like uh, you miss frames, you jump through uh, certain forms of time that in a sense means that you suddenly leap onto another part of the experience. It's not something that's gradual because linear time doesn't exist in the spirit world. Mm. Is time almost like a three-dimensional landscape, in a sense that you know five-dimensional landscape. It's a five-dimensional. So, like you've got time and space, and we, we, you know we see space is three-dimensional. Yes. But you're saying that time is five-dimensional. Yes, absolutely. So, that's right. So it's in different different directions in different parameters and it affects you in different ways as a physical being. So that's part of the reason why uh, you remember, dear friend, when I talk about the law of proximity and how it is very difficult for human minds in the mindset, even of those who are religiously uh, excited or are in the, the uh, completely perfect religious experiences, however they are depicted within them, but actually what they're moving through is that they're still failing to adapt to the law of proximity, which actually dictates certain specifics about the laws of time and the barriers in between physical life and what time is and, and, and how you can then move into different worlds and yet still experience it as a form of sanity, if you like. So oftentimes what tends to happen with human beings is that once they move or leave the actual physical time presence that they become disjointed, that they become, uh, it's very difficult to remain balanced of mind when you have moved through such experiences and that's why oftentimes it is very, very difficult for people to relate then their transferred through the field of time and how that actually relates to them. Part of the reason as well why human beings in the physical state find it quite difficult to relate to moments of life within all eternity when they were within a different experience or within a different existence and that it seems so personal that it has to be always them or uh, that they were some other experience rather than it being actually part of their own personal journey. Yeah. So at the moment, is, is my physical body in space-time, but then you, as you flip in out of this, you go into time-space, and then you, like in some kind of void, and then you can flip back into another space-time. Well, yes, quite so. The point is that, of course, when you reflect upon the fact that your spirit is constantly in the ether world, never comes into the physical life, 
So in part, you are already of at least a four or five dimensional being in any event. It's just a matter of whether you can make contact as a physical being with that spirit aspect of yourself, therefore giving you these two further added dimensions. And in fact, there are even more dimensions than that if you really let go. But that doesn't mean letting go and then feeling the fear and doing it anyway. It means that what you actually have to do is let go of the fear of, yeah. uh, of your complete response so that you must not fear that by doing this, you're then going to pass to the spirit world. No. It, that, that's not the case it, because you're always going to be tethered regardless of what happens. Okay. So this is, I mean, I'm sorry that this is really <laughs> giving me some really crazy questions, but um, if, you know, if the technology was available in the 1940s um, to do this, to punch a hole into time space and for people to be thrown into the future, then there must be future t timelines where technology is surpassed what we have here, where people are able to control that experiment and therefore able to move through time, you know, in a controlled, safe way. Yes, I understand that. But the point is you are using the situation on balance of probability that there is some person who is completely uh, deranged or has lost the plot, as you would say, uh, that wants to go and continue to investigate that as a form of of a situation that would then be either useful to humanity or useful to those who have power over humanity. The point is that the, in this respect, it may well have been that that was something that was actually ostracized and kept out of humanity for the very sake of its own uh, state of uh, realization, in effect. Because mm. you could imagine the scenario, and I've seen films on this, uh, where you could end up having time tourists, you know, people yeah. that want to come back in time to view events. You know, I, I guess similar to what was going back with the Mothman prophecies. The people voyeurs. Say that again. Time voyeurs. Exactly, yeah. People coming back to witness events that are earth-shattering or historic. Yeah, and, and there's an interesting picture I saw on the internet recently where it showed a photograph of a, a bridge being reopened in New York, I think, that was flooded, and it and it showed all the people in the photo as typical New Yorkers in suits, you know, wearing the attire that was more akin to that time period. And there's one chap in it that just looks like he's come straight out of the 19 or <laughs> from now, but yeah. I, I I don't know if he is or not, but it's kind of it makes you think. Yes, I understand what you are saying. <laughs> but you don't agree or you're, you don't want to say? No, I don't think that that is the case. But uh, I think that, uh, that people from different countries like to attribute uh, their own field of flair of how they celebrate an event or how they pursue an event. Okay. No, it's just really, I mean, it just opens the mind to so many possibilities when, when you know, knowing that an event like that happened. Um, yes, although it was ultimately uh, very detrimental. Yes, yes. That's the point. And, and uh, I understand that from Nikolai Tesla's point of view, he would never have wanted such an experiment to be brought about. He didn't use those 
those situations of sequences of events that he created within his own laboratory for the purpose of such power being utilized, really. Although he understood it, it was part of the reason, in a sense, why some of the experiments that he made, he actually destroyed himself, purely and simply because he didn't want them to uh, become obvious yeah. to others. Indeed, indeed. Yes. But I understand he's still working on uh, matters to do with using uh, hydrogen-powered vehicles, for example, and that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So just, I mean, that's a really deep uh, topic. Moving on to something completely different, and it's kind of around the subject of healing, really, and the different forms of healing that there are. Um, You know, in the religious aspect, we have, like, faith healing, uh, we have the in the spiritualism uh, where people put their hands above somebody and, and use healing. We have uh, remote healing. Um, now there's lots of new fields of healing that have come up where people can focus and meditate and visualize someone being well and going into the body. And and yeah. I just you know I just really would like to get your thoughts on healing. Really, I mean, is is healing really being sent by the sender or is there at some level the receiver? Uh, is, are they, is it really the receiver doing the healing or the sender or is it a bit of both I guess yes well uh, to begin with my dear friend I, I, I really think that it's part and parcel of it depends doesn't it if you have a person who is uh, really craving the healing that they wish to have maybe they've got cancer or something like that or whatever their unwellness is that they are actually uh, asking of the universe or they're asking of, of specific friends that uh, to give them healing, then that's obviously going to be something which is more potentially abundant, purely and simply because they're a receptive energy. And that means that they're actually cycling for the uh, situation, the event to take place. Therefore, they're complicit within it. If you then uh, look at different aspects of healing throughout history, you would acknowledge uh, that uh, at one time there were only clergymen who were allowed to bring about healing as they were the only pathway to God. And of course it had actually been that way for clergymen, priests, uh, uh, abbots, uh, uh, monks, whoever it was, that they were the only ones who were actually allowed to touch the energy of God or to say or declare that as part of their resume. But in actual fact, of course, it's there as a pathway for all, for every single being. So it means to say it's part of the reason why it is that for some, if they bring animals into that living space to bring them healing, they can do that. Dogs can bring healing to anim- to other human beings. Cats can bring healing to human beings, as well as fishes, believe it or not. Because hmm. there do seem to be people that have miraculous healing, where they can un- undergo an extremely traumatic event. Uh, you know, it could be a car accident, um, and and basically they just that the doctors are, are completely dumbfounded by the miraculous healing that they go through, almost yes. like coming back to normal within like you know half a year as if nothing ever happened and other people don't survive something like that so it i wonder at some level did that person have an accident and they really really needed to continue there was something that they really needed to do and so therefore uh, not only did the universe but 
lots of energy came forward to really help that person uh, carry on their mission and where others might be at the end of their life where actually they've done everything they've come to achieve and so therefore they're ready to go so at some level their their higher self is saying you know it's time for you to go over anyway so therefore yes, but they might not have actually wanted to go at all yeah and therefore they left kicking and screaming <laughs> yeah so I, 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 yeah so what so what is it? I mean, why is someone given miraculous healing over somebody else not receiving that? Or, or seemingly not receiving that? Well, I would say, my dear friend, that part of this is actually to do with cell structure as well. You have to look at the bi- biological facet of it and how cells actually respond to certain forms of energy, whereas other cells do not. That's the point. And that, I feel, is how it is that... Uh, within science, as you have today on your side of life, it hasn't really responded to that. Why is it that there is a possibility when you bring about a placebo healing or you bring about something that is actual? What is the difference? In some people, it's not going to be necessarily 8 out of 10 mice uh, would agree with you or 8 out of 10 mice didn't. Uh, were not healed and only 2% were actually healed or responded to the healing when all other mice failed and passed. So it would not necessarily be that the way forward for this is going to be a unilateral response. It's not always going to be that way. You may find that with some people that they just simply respond better to healing than to others, maybe because they're more open to it. Not necessarily the universe saying, oh, yes, we'll save that one. There's a good one. We'll keep that one and we'll let the other one go. So it's, it's actually more rather that I, I would say that within suggestion of this, it means that if you have a being that you wish to bring healing to nine times out of ten, you will find that person has come to you for healing as a last resort. Yeah, but they've tried everything else. Oh well, I'll come and have healing then. It's like, well, why didn't you come to begin with? And then we might have had a chance to resolve it, rather than then bringing it up as a negative and saying, oh well, it didn't work because the patient died. Well, if they had maybe come at the beginning of their occupancy of their illness, then perhaps it would have worked better for them. So I would suggest, friend, that when you have a human being who is positive, who is looking forward and is doing their very best, then it may well be that the energy and the situation to do with them is something that gives presence and that enables that healing to take place in a very uh, verifiable way, in a way that is conducive to the wellness of the person. In another person, you may find that they succumb perhaps to the cancer that they were struck down with and that in actual fact, the very fact that they went through that process, uh, that in fact, uh, perhaps because it was a very uh, media-inspired process, that just the simple fact of the process meant that many, many other people went on to have screening or went on to to be more self-aware of the perspective that this could happen to them too. The uh, the the. Little the girl uh, that went through this uh, jade, I believe her name was. She is a typical example of that. Right. So yeah, that's mean to say that the universe decided that that was the end of that, and 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 
but, but that it was actually the biological function that succumbed to the degree of her illness, which was extensive. So I guess there must be a tipping point biologically where yes. there just isn't enough energy yes. to, to, do, to make a difference. Yes, that's right, friend Ian. Absolutely. There is a tipping point in all things. There will be a time when, with any amount of healing, it just simply won't work. Yeah. Cause hopefully, hopefully what will work within that person within doing that healing. So that's not to say to everyone, oh, you've got to give up at a certain point when it seems that it's just not going to work. You have to carry on doing that, giving that process, giving that loving energy to that person, because in actual fact, it will help them pass. It will help them through the experience. Having that amount of love, having that amount of aspiration, that amount of, of containment, in exactly the same way that our friend John Morris's little Jack is going through a similar experience with that kind of condition and is battling with the stricken conditions of which he is facing at this present time. That doesn't mean to say he's a lesser being, doesn't mean to say that, that the universe has given up on him or anything like that. He is uh, very, very ill. So it means that the universe and all of those people praying and, and bringing healing energy for his little life is that they are doing the very best they can and willing him forward in the battle of his cells to win that situation over. Yeah, okay. Because with the yogis as well, they have got... Um they can use the power of the mind, can't they, to kind of influence their body. They can change their heart rate, uh, their temperature, so cells. So, you know, I guess if you've got real control of the mind with uh, an implicit belief that you can do anything, then I guess you can you can affect anything, can't you, in your body? Well, they, they even decide yes. to pass when they want to pass, don't they? Yes, absolutely so, my dear friend. But that's something that all people can do. It's not just down to gurus or, or mystics of a certain form or nature. It's actually something that's inalienable within all physical beings. Just in exactly the same way, my dear friend, that elephants know when they are going to pass. And they walk off to their passing place. Okay. Oh, right. brilliant. Thank you very much on that. Um... I think we've got time for one more question, um, and this this is an interesting question because we, we've we've covered autism before, um, yes. but I read a headline actually in the paper a few weeks ago, and it was about the rise in the number of pills that vets were now giving animals really. So the pharmaceutical companies have now jumped on the bandwagon giving lots of tablets to um, animals, and um, there seems to be a rise. Um, of autism in dogs and animals, which I thought was quite interesting. Yes. So it does seem to be, an, you know, in some way attributed to medicine. To, I did not catch the last Well, thing. you know, like <clears throat> for an animal that was, dogs, you know, it was unheard of really before f for animals t to get autism, but all of a sudden vets are now handing out pills left, right and centre, and yes. dogs are now coming down with autism. So yes, I thought it was an interesting parallel there. Yes, absolutely so. Uh, uh, pity they didn't do that to begin with before, before actually uh, uh, bringing about these uh, different 
instruments of um, so so-called uh, uh, coping strategies or or whatever to humans, then perhaps there would not be the instancy of uh, autism or or various different difficulty faculties of the mind and of the human physical brain. Yeah, because th there was a very brave um, doctor, I think. I can't remember his name there, hasn't come to mind, but he basically stood up you know, for this, saying that there's a link with um, autism in the MMR vaccines, and he just got shot down to bits from it. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting. It does seem to be a lot of kids with autism, you know, and, and obviously with, with dogs now as well. Um, there's obviously got to be a link there somewhere and I know that not all children with autism are linked to the pharmaceuticals there's many factors isn't there in anything but yes my dear friend and I would have to say also that there are potential hazards within the situation of various different food groups food groups for example taken in to the placenta through the placenta by the mother during the gestation period which may be attributable to various forms of autism or, um, shall I say, cerebral mismanagement. Yeah, we, we, we sort of live in a world at the moment where we're confronted by chemicals and all, all kind of stuff. I mean, you know, just in the kitchen with all the different detergents and chemicals that you might wipe a surface down with, air fresheners. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, that's you, right. You just can't escape it. No, and particularly, my dear friend, as well, with air fresheners and the different propellants that those air fresheners may use. That's the point. It's, it's actually uh, uh, something even more disastrous uh, that is a part of this, uh, really, to do with how little is known in the statement of physical human uh, beings and their behavior, how much these different propellants will actually make a difference to a human being's life, uh, whether that be an adult and its reproductive system, or whether it be a child once, um, um, in a sense, um, given this op opportunity to breathe in and take in all of these noxious uh, chemicals that are a part of its life and inhabitants. Mm. So I think it's just good to get out into nature, isn't it, as often as we can, really, to experience the fresh air. Yes, absolutely. And if you really want to have uh, uh, fresh, fresh um, um, smells or something like that, then why not bring in, uh, pick the uh, various herbs or various uh, plant life, obviously, begging its forgiveness and don't bring up the whole thing, but just uh, break off a few leaves or something like that and rub them together to bring out the aroma of that rather than buying something that is chemical. Yeah, I think that's the, the difficult. We need to learn with this te technological age we're in. You know, we're living so fast and everything, but we need to balance it still with that's a very right. natural world, don't we? Yes, that's right. Absolutely so. You must balance it. That's the point, really. I feel that there are so many uh, errors of mismanagement that are arising, and particularly, typically, with uh, the conditions of salt and the conditions of various other um, chemicals that you are taking into your physical body system that you are then becoming chemically dependent upon. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. And a, a wonderful thing, the thing I've been sort of drawn to recently is um, like the, sh the ways of shamanism, the way that they 
they they communicate with the animals and they 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 honor nature and mother earth and that seems a very nice spiritual sort of journey or pathway to, to sort of look into i think yes i understand yeah. i understand uh, but of course originally it was really devised by uh, human beings to understand animals even further so that it was something that they were at a mind with so that they understood really how to be that animal and then what forms and different ways that their experience could then enhance their own life. Yeah, because all different animals have different personalities, don't they? Yes, absolutely so. And uh, play a different and indelible part to the fabric of life in general. It's like as though a person moving through those different experiences actually then begins to understand the formation of the balance of the earth and the balance of the natural world and how that actually really interacts with you as a physical being, as a spirit having human physical existence. I, I need to say uh, actually about this situation with the dolphins at uh, uh, the uh, the cove experiments that have been going on in Japan. Okay, yes, please do. Uh, this is really to do with uh, how the Japanese uh, government and uh, are actually contriving to uh, use dolphin meat, and the whole cove experiment is to do with the way of how they entrap dolphins using their little boats, which are metal which they then bang on the side of to upset the dolphin's sonar so that they actually move in together as a tight shoal and they are then driven onto the beach where, where they are then hacked to pieces by people waiting on the shoreline, similar to the Grund in the Faroe Islands, which is another ghastly experience for pilot whales, but that what actually happens then to these dolphins in a way to perverse the, the the way of palate reflection within the young people of Japan so that it's not the same situation outcome that they have experienced with whale meat in that their situation is that they are trying to then uh, that they gather up the meat from the dolphins that they then bring it to the table of school children telling them that it is tuna are you kidding me? And that the children then begin to eat it, and that even if they don't like it, they think, well, it's tuna, so it's part of their natural diet. So they take it on within themselves, and so that when they become adult, they will have a taste for continuing the process of eating that form of meat, even though they didn't realize that it was dolphin, in fact, the, of, of what they were eating. And that in, in the similar way, you see, because what has happened to Japanese society is that in actual fact, it's only older people, much older people, who actually eat whale meat. And what that has then done, it has underpinned a serious undercurrent for the Japanese people of uh, their disliking of whale meat. So therefore, they're capturing all of these whales and can't actually sell it because no one's eating it because the Japanese society is actually failing and declining in any event because they are not intermarrying, because they are not uh, having as many children as they were before. So their population density is diminishing all of the time. So what they're trying to do is encourage children to eat dolphin so that they will then want or carry out the practice 
of slaying of dolphin because it's part of their endemic taste. So basically, they're just trying to create consumers of the future, basically, for profit. Yes, yes, that's right. Absolutely so. And I understand that there is a gentleman who was from um, the Americas, I believe, who filmed all of this secretly and filmed the underwater experience of the dolphins themselves. Yep. And then showed it to some of the Japanese children and some of the people who were actually then on the surface trying to make money from the this condition. And what's the mainstream media like in Japan reporting this? Are they keeping it keeping the keeping a lid on it? Keep it out, yes. But I understand, Fent, it's called the Cove. The Cove, okay. Yes. I'll take a look at that. So I wanted to bring it to your attention, friend. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. It's important. It's important that we spread the word on that. Okay. Right. Well, thank you again, Gregory. It's always been a pleasure speaking to you, and it will continue to be so. <laughs> and So, uh, so friendly, and yes, thank you, so. Okay. And, um, and obviously, we'll speak to you again very soon. Thank you for yes. coming on. With love and light, blessings upon your pathways, everyone. Thank you so. It's a privilege. As always, love as ever. God bless. God bless. If you would like to book your own personal reading with Gregory to find out about your own soul journey, then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com.